Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia, and this is your Markets and Macro Rewind. On Mondays, we want to summarize last week's research and analysis for you, as well as give you a preview of what to expect in the upcoming week. Last week on Tuesday, we published Bullish Treasuries Chart Pack. Now remember, treasury yields and prices move in an inverse direction. That means when treasury yields are going lower, that means treasury prices are going up. This is because demand for treasuries is starting to come back into the market after a dismal 2022. Now why did treasuries perform so badly in 2022? Inflation and rate hikes. This raises rates and lowers the prices of treasuries. This year, though, we are seeing a decline in interest rates, which means an increase in treasury prices. Why? The first reason is the U.S. economy. Looking at our economic cycle wayfinder, which is a synthesis of three of our favorite economic indicators. Number one, ISM manufacturing. This is a survey of manufacturing firms and how they are planning for the future. NFIB small business optimism. This is just what it sounds like. It is a survey of entrepreneurs and how they are looking at the future for their business. And lastly, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment. This is how people are feeling about the economy, about their job, and about their plans to spend money. These three economic indicators are combined into one metric that we call our TBL economic cycle wayfinder. It's another way for us to try to get a sense of where the economy is. Is it in super growth mode? Is it in recession? Is it in growth but slowing? And that's where we are right now. The economy is still growing at the margin according to GDP. But when we look at some of the internals on survey data, which we summarize with our economic cycle wayfinder, we can see contraction in the economy. The answers to questions are coming back slower and less. What are the questions? How are you feeling about hiring next month? What are your new orders going to be like? What are your prices paid? All of these answers are coming back in the negative, meaning lower input prices. I'm planning to hire less people. I'm planning to spend less money. And I am expecting lower new orders for my products and services. All of these things are combining to a signal of contraction. Now the Federal Reserve, which has been hiking interest rates for the past several months, is looking at the data and it's not seeing the slowdown in the economy make its way into the labor market yet. And that is the key point to understand here. That's why the Fed is not looking at PMI data or ISM data and deciding to cut rates or pause right now, it's still looking at a very strong labor market and that is why it isn't using its rhetoric yet to say that the economy is slowing and it needs to back off this pace of tightening. Now on Tuesday, we also highlighted that the upcoming CPI print was going to be very material for interest rates. The expectation for headline inflation had fallen from 0% to negative 0.1% on a month-over-month -month basis over the last week. 
This means that the expectation of inflation had actually gone away entirely and the market was starting to expect marginal deflation on a month-to-month -month basis. Now, on the year-over-year -year basis, inflation was still projected to be around 6 to 7%. Now, on Thursday, we received data that confirmed this slowdown in prices and inflation actually did print negative 0.1% month over month. It sent yields lower in the aftermath, which we will discuss soon. Now back to the core of Tuesday's piece, bullish treasuries. This means we are expecting rates to go lower. Let's take a look at the two-year yield. Now remember that the two-year yield reflects the expectation of the monetary policy rate over the next one to two years. And we have consistently talked about the relationship between the two-year yield and the federal funds rate. What happened during the hiking cycle of 22 is that the two-year yield was pricing in more and more interest rate hikes as the Fed continued to hammer the table that it wasn't done fighting inflation. Over the last couple weeks, what we have seen is that the Treasury yield has come below the federal funds rate, which means the market is no longer expecting many hikes going forward. Rather, it is expecting a rate of around this level or perhaps even lower over the next two years. So look at this chart and what you can see is that two-year yields were increasing in a very steady and rapid way in 2022 with this trend line holding several times throughout the year. But over the last couple weeks, we've seen the Treasury yield break down below this level of support and we see more and more buying coming in. The Treasury auction statistics are starting to get stronger. It means that investors are finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of this current hiking cycle. They see the economy slowing and they know they have more confidence that the Fed will not increase rates that much more and therefore two-year yields at about four and a quarter percent are a good buy. So we're watching two-year yields and we're looking for them to maybe make their way down to the three and a half percent range over the course of this year as the economy continues to slow and expectations for further monetary tightening leave the market and expectations for monetary policy easing start to enter the market. That's what lower rates mean. Now the next chart I want to bring up is the 10-year yield. 10-year yields have also held this increasing trend line for all of 2022. They've had a couple false rallies, but right now we believe that the current rally as yields have come much lower since the end of 2022 is something that can be sustained. Growth is slowing, demand is coming back for treasuries, and 4% 10-year treasuries now is all of a sudden looking like a very, very solid investment for those that purchased it late last year. So now we look at the chart and we can see I've drawn this circle on the chart in December. This is the area of consolidation for 10-year yields as the market starts to process the information that 7 to 9% inflation sticking around over the next couple years is no longer in the cards. We might have inflation at 5%, 4%, 3%, but what we know is that inflation is not going to be 
threatening this double-digit area, especially as, in, as inflation has continued to come off. So we look at this circle, and what you can see here is that right around that 350 area, 10-year yields are trying to figure out what the next move is. And so I expect that Treasury yields are going to use this 3.5 area as a fair value of sorts, over the next several months and potentially rally through that level as the growth expectation continues to come down. And it does really have a lot to do with the economy. Is the threat of a recession real or is it more mild in nature? That will be a main driver of treasury yields. All in all though, bullish impulses for treasuries are back. Yields are showing strength to the downside and sell-offs are purchased, means anytime yields are popping back up, buyers are there to come and support the price. A quick bonus chart for you here, the US dollar. The big theme of last year was the strength of the dollar as US yields were going up and the relative value of investing in dollars, it just outshined the rest of the world. That trend has reversed. Look at the dollar, it's back all the way to March levels and we actually broke very strongly through the uptrend back at the end of 2022 and the dollar is now weakening as it becomes clear that the Fed doesn't really have that many more hikes left. Let's also look at the stock market. The stock market is in this limbo area, this big wedge of consolidation around the 4,000 handle. We really have to see what's going to happen over the next couple weeks as this wedge gets closer and closer. Right now, our bias is that stocks are able to break free of this downtrend here as the Fed comes into the end of their hiking cycle. But the big caveat is that with a recession possibly on the way in 2023, how will corporations fare? What will their earnings be and how will the market reflect all those expectations? We are not stock market gurus, we're macro analysts. So what we're watching for is rates and we're looking to stocks to see what the confirmation is or how they behave as rates start to potentially move back down. Remember that stocks were coming down in 2022 as rates were going up and the correlation was pretty tight. So if treasury yields are going to come back down, we should expect stocks to rise in that environment as the pair trade has to unwind. That pair trade I'm referring to is short stocks, short treasuries. It worked great in 2022. If that trend reverses in 2023 and we actually start to see investors go long treasuries to cover their short position, we might see them go long stocks to cover their short position there as well. Now, I want to bring up this tweet that we saw, which exhibits how Bitcoin is now two thirds of its way past the previous halving and toward the next halving. What is the halving? That is when Bitcoin's block subsidy, which is the amount of Bitcoin awarded to the miner that successfully mines each block, gets cut in half. Right now, it's at six and a half Bitcoin every 10 minutes on average. That will go down to three and a quarter Bitcoin every 10 minutes once we get into mid 2024. The Bitcoin price in its short 14 year history has exhibited a correlation with the halving cycle. We are still fighting with ourselves to see whether the halving is the dominant market force on the Bitcoin price. As supply goes down, it makes Bitcoin more rare, 
less available to the market, and that should, in theory, drive up the price. Well, in the past, it has. Look at this chart. Coming through the halving cycle, two-thirds of the way, we see that Bitcoin usually starts to rise into the halving. Now, it is very early, but Bitcoin is starting to show a little bit of life here, and we will be tracking this very carefully as we go through 2023 and approach the next halving. Now, this price on our Bitcoin chart from Tuesday shows Bitcoin still at $17,000. We were looking at this mild support that has been building, and we flagged the 19000 level as a very important first level for Bitcoin to get above and hold if it wants to really resume its bull trend. Now, there's nothing to get that excited about with the Bitcoin price, really until we get above this 23000 area. That is because at the $23,000 area, you're doing a couple things to the chart. Number one, you're making sure that the chart is now seeing higher highs where we had seen basically lower highs over the course of the entire 2022. So 23,000 would get us our first higher high on Bitcoin. That would be material. It would also confirm any reverse head and shoulders patterns where we were consolidating at around 20,000 and then we had the FTX blow up that drove the price down to 15,000, recover back above 20 and then hold above 23. That would confirm that the FTX blowout was really more of a temporary thing and it would be very constructive to the Bitcoin chart. Those are the things we were watching on Tuesday. Now, obviously the Bitcoin price has done quite well since that Tuesday mark and we'll talk more about that. On Friday, we published Bitcoin, it's a live chart pack. And what was the cause? We finally saw Bitcoin break back above 20,000. Actually, as of the writing, I was looking at the chart, it was at about 19,900. I was waiting for it to crack above 20,000 and hold there so I could strike all my charts, but it ended up coming a few hours after I published the piece. No worries. The important thing here is what is happening on the Bitcoin chart. It is showing finally signs of life. Now, what are some of the main drivers of the Bitcoin price finally starting to show some signs of life here? Number one is the news. Now, we know what the news did to Bitcoin in November. It crashed the price as FTX uh, went belly up. But if we're looking at what happened over the last few days in Bitcoin, the news was important. There are two big stories here that I want to talk about. Number one is FTX lawyers have allegedly found up to $5 billion worth of liquid assets. This could potentially mean dollars, other dollar stable coins, and potentially Bitcoin as well. Now, I don't think Bitcoin is in that mix because of what we found out through the bankruptcy proceedings. But either way, $5 billion have allegedly been recovered. This means that customers that have up to $10 billion of losses might be made at least 50% whole here over the course of these bankruptcy proceedings. That is good news at the margin and the Bitcoin price liked that news. It's not just the customer funds, meaning mom and pop that lost their money. It's big shops like Genesis who have all of the interwoven counterparty risk in the industry. So Genesis, we know, is owned by Digital Currency Group. Digital Currency Group owns Grayscale. Grayscale owns and operates GBTC. 
GBTC has been trading at up to a 50% discount to net asset value at the end of 2022. And we know that this huge discount to net asset value is causing a lot of trouble for certain Bitcoin investors that didn't own Bitcoin in cold storage, but they had no other choice than to buy GBTC. So what happened with GBTC? GBTC is finally getting a redeem campaign going that some of the stakeholders are trying to make a case that the custody of the assets is transferred from Grayscale to another manager. That is potential outcome here. Joe and Sam Callahan recorded a great episode. You guys definitely should check that out to get more of an in-depth conversation on GBTC. But back to Genesis. If Genesis is able to recover some of the money that it lost on FTX through bankruptcy proceedings, that might make some of the counterparty risk within the DCG universe a little bit less worse. And all of that is coming through the Bitcoin price where we finally are starting to see some optimism. I'm not trying to make some big claim that everything is okay and they found all the money and that Grayscale is going to be absolutely fine. There's still a lot of trouble here, but the trouble does seem to be less bad. Looking at the fair value of Bitcoin based on our own TBL fair valuation metrics, and we're seeing that Bitcoin is still trading at a small discount to its fair value. Now, we get the fair value from the long-term moving average, Bitcoin's realized price, which is its on-chain cost basis, as well as its energy input prices, what the miners are having to spend to mine Bitcoin. All of these three metrics are above where Bitcoin's price is currently today. It tells us that Bitcoin is cheap based off of these metrics. Remember, this is not financial advice. Please do your own research. Look at the Bitcoin chart a little bit zoomed in. Again, this is still when Bitcoin was shy of $20,000 on Friday afternoon. Bitcoin has several consecutive green candles that are starting to show a lot of confidence finally make its way back into the market. Now, fast forwarding to the weekly update that we put out on Sunday, and Joe Consorti put in a great chart for us here. He showed us a chart of the aggregate open interest on Bitcoin derivatives exchanges. What we usually see with a Bitcoin price pump and huge spike in open interest is that those price pumps are usually short-lived because it was just done through leverage. But we can definitely see there was open interest and new longs in the derivatives market that came in, but a lot of that pulled back and it does make us think and believe that some of the Bitcoin buying that went on late Friday, Thursday, and over into the weekend was due to spot buying. This is real Bitcoin buying, not leveraged Bitcoin buying on exchanges. This is a good sign and makes us cautiously optimistic. Looking ahead to next week, there are a lot of economic data points that we have to factor in, as well as looking at the Bitcoin price action a little bit more closely now that we've had this 20% pump over the last few days. So we'll be watching Bitcoin's price action and we'll be watching a few things. We'll be watching PPI. This is producer inflation. What are companies paying for commodities and input prices? PPI, the expectation for PPI is to have a negative monthly print, a negative month over month 
level of PPI. That means deflation on the month-over-month basis. So we'll look to see if that is also confirming this slowdown in inflation. We also get housing data, which we've known the housing market is slowing materially as rates have put a slowdown on a lot of housing activity over the last year. We will see the housing market and how much it continues to slow down. Thanks for sticking with us this week at the Bitcoin layer. This markets and macro rewind is something we want to make sure we bring to you every week. Go subscribe to our Substack, thebitcoinlayer.substack.com. Every week we put out a free weekly update to make sure you're all caught up and you have all the charts and macro information that you need coming into the next week. We also put paid research a couple times a week. That is our most timely research and analysis. We have chart packs on there. So make sure to consider becoming a paid subscriber. We want to thank our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage is a provider of enterprise-grade Bitcoin and Lightning Network infrastructure. Go spin up a node with Voltage today.